In Luke 2, 1, 3, the dating of Jesus' birth is intricately tied to historical political figures, a method commonly used in ancient historical accounts. The passage refers to a census ordered by Caesar Augustus, the Roman emperor known for his administrative reforms and expansion of the Roman Empire. This census is a pivotal event in the Christian narrative as it leads to Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem where Jesus is born. The text mentions that this census occurred when Quirinius was governing Syria. Historically, Quirinius is known to have overseen a census in A.D. 6, a well-documented event linked to a tax revolt in Judea. This census under Quirinius is an established historical fact, but its timing presents a notable challenge when reconciling it with the traditional date of Jesus' birth, which is generally placed around 4, 6 B.C., based on historical records of King Herod's reign, who died in 4 B.C. Ligonier Ministries' interpretation emphasizes that while there is no specific record of a worldwide census during the reign of Augustus, his rule was marked by significant administrative reforms, including conducting censuses for taxation purposes. These censuses were crucial for the efficient administration of the vast Roman Empire and served as a means to ensure effective tax collection. Augustus's reign was known for bringing stability and prosperity, partly through such administrative measures. The mention of a census in Luke, therefore, aligns with Augustus's administrative practices. However, the absence of other historical records of a global census at this time, and the specific mention of Quirinius, who is documented to have been in power much later, adds a layer of complexity to the historical analysis of this biblical passage. This has led to ongoing scholarly debates regarding the exact historical timeline and the accuracy of the account in Luke. The discussion often revolves around understanding the historical context of the Roman Empire's administrative practices and the potential for overlapping or successive terms of governance in the region. Also, Luke 2, 3 delves into the historical and theological significance of a seemingly routine event, a census decreed by Caesar Augustus, which necessitated that people return to their ancestral homes for registration. This verse is a critical component of the nativity story of Jesus Christ, providing a historical backdrop and fulfilling prophecy. The verse states, And all went to be registered, each to his own town. This directive, part of a Roman administrative exercise, had profound implications in the context of biblical prophecy and the unfolding of the Christian narrative. Joseph, a descendant of David, was required to travel to Bethlehem, the city of David, because he belonged to the house and lineage of David. This journey, undertaken with Mary, who was expecting Jesus, was pivotal in fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy found in Micah 5, 2, which foretold that the Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. The historical accuracy of Luke's account is accentuated by this mention of the census. By anchoring his narrative in a specific verifiable event, Luke not only establishes the temporal and geographical setting of Jesus' birth, but also lends credibility to the gospel accounts. This adherence to historical detail showcases Luke's commitment to presenting a factual and reliable account of Jesus' life and ministry. Moreover, the verse reveals the sovereignty of God in the unfolding of history. The Roman census, a tool for governance and taxation, unknowingly serves the divine purpose of aligning with biblical prophecy. It demonstrates how God can use even secular and administrative processes to fulfill His plans. 
In summary, Luke 2, 3, through the lens of Ligonier Ministries' interpretation, offers a profound insight into how a Roman census played a crucial role in the Nativity story, fulfilling ancient prophecies and proving the historical reliability of the gospel narrative, all while illustrating God's sovereign hand in history. Furthermore, in Luke 2.5, the term betrothed is used to describe the relationship between Joseph and Mary, the mother of Jesus. Ligonier Ministries offers a detailed explanation of this term, providing insight into the customs and societal norms of biblical times, which differ significantly from contemporary understandings of engagement and marriage. In the context of the Bible, especially in Jewish culture during the time of Jesus, betrothal was a legally binding contract between a man and a woman. This agreement was much more significant than modern-day engagements. When a couple was betrothed, they were legally considered husband and wife, despite not having yet lived together or consummated their marriage. This period of betrothal was not just a promise or a plan to marry. It was, in itself, a form of marriage. The betrothal period typically lasted for about a year, during which the couple prepared for their life together. This time allowed the groom to prepare a home for his bride and demonstrate his ability to provide for a family. The bride, during this period, prepared herself for her new role in her husband's life and household. Importantly, since betrothal was legally binding, ending this relationship required a formal divorce not just a simple break or dissolution of engagement as understood today. This legal aspect affirms the seriousness and commitment inherent in the betrothal. Understanding this context is crucial when reading the Nativity story in the Gospels. Mary and Joseph's relationship, described as betrothal, indicates a deep binding commitment, asserting the gravity of Mary's virgin pregnancy. It highlights the social and religious challenges they faced, as Mary's pregnancy during the betrothal period would have been highly controversial and possibly seen as a violation of their marital contract. This background provided by Ligonier Ministries helps in understanding the cultural and legal aspects of betrothal during biblical times, offering a deeper insight into the challenges and faith of Mary and Joseph in the face of societal norms and expectations. In addition, Ligonier Ministries dives into the details and cultural context of the birth of Jesus. Verse 7 is remarkably succinct in its description, yet it holds profound significance. The term swaddling cloths refers to strips of cloth used for wrapping a newborn. This practice, common at the time, signifies not only the care given to a newborn, but also points to the modest circumstances surrounding Jesus' birth. The mention of a manger, a feeding trough typically used for animals, is pivotal. It suggests that Jesus might have been born in a stable, a setting synonymous with humility and simplicity. However, Ligonier Ministries also opens the possibility that the birth could have occurred outdoors or in a home of modest means. This interpretation broadens the understanding of the nativity scene, indicating the humble and unpretentious circumstances of Jesus' birth regardless of the specific location. Such humility contrasts starkly with the traditional expectation of a Messiah's grand entry. The use of the term firstborn carries significant weight. In Jewish culture, the firstborn son held a special place, often seen as the principal heir. This is supported by various scriptures such as Deuteronomy 21.15, 17.1 Chronicles 5.1.2 and Psalm 89.27, 
which maintained the elevated status and special privileges accorded to the firstborn. In the context of Jesus being the firstborn to Mary, this term points out his preeminence and the fulfillment of a messianic prophecy. It symbolically positions Jesus as the primary heir, not only in his immediate family but also in the larger framework of Jewish faith and tradition. Besides, the reference to Jesus' younger siblings in Mark 6, 3 adds another layer to this interpretation. It confirms Jesus' role within his family and further establishes his status as the firstborn. This detail, while minor, complements the broader narrative of Jesus' life and mission, anchoring his human existence within a family structure. Overall, Ligonier Ministries' interpretation of Luke 2, 7 encapsulates the blend of simplicity and depth that characterizes the story of Jesus' birth. It reiterates the humility of his beginnings and the profound cultural and religious implications of his role as the firstborn. Additionally, Luke 2, 8 digs into the nuanced and symbolic role of shepherds in the biblical narrative, especially in the context of the nativity story. Shepherds during the time of Christ occupied a paradoxical position in society. On one hand, they were historically esteemed, as seen in the divine anointing of David, a shepherd who rose to kingship, 2 Samuel 7, 8. Additionally, shepherding imagery is used to describe God himself in scriptures such as Genesis 48, 15 and Psalms 23 and 80. One, reflecting a past where the shepherd's role was viewed with reverence and respect. However, by the time of Jesus' birth, this perception had drastically shifted. The transient nature of shepherds' work, which often kept them away from religious observances, coupled with the nature of their duties, which frequently rendered them ceremonially unclean, significantly lowered their social standing. This decline is repeated by their exclusion from religious practices and a general mistrust that went so far as to deem them unreliable for giving testimony in legal situations. The announcement of Christ's birth to shepherds, as recorded in Luke 2.8, is therefore laden with profound significance. This divine choice to reveal the Messiah's arrival to a socially marginalized group was a deliberate subversion of societal norms and expectations. It signified a reversal of values, characteristic of Jesus' later ministry and the overarching Christian message, underlining the elevation of the lowly and the inclusion of the marginalized. The choice of shepherds as the recipients of this momentous news underscores a central theme in Christianity. God's preference for those on the fringes of society, challenging the established social order. This narrative choice reflects the transformative and inclusive nature of the Christian message, where the last are often first and the humble are exalted. In this context, the shepherds symbolize not just historical figures, but represent a broader, enduring message of hope and divine inclusion for all, regardless of social standing. Also, Luke 2.10 holds a significant place in Christian theology, particularly in understanding the inclusiveness of the message of Christ's birth. This verse is a part of the Nativity story, where the angel announces the birth of Jesus to the shepherds. The phrase, all the people, translated from the Greek, is pivotal in this context. In the original Greek text, the term used for all the people is often interpreted to mean the entire population of Israel. This interpretation is consistent with other occurrences of the phrase in the Gospel of Luke, such as in 1, 68 and 1, 77. 
The repetitive use of this phrase in Luke's Gospel emphasizes a theme of inclusivity and universal access to the salvation offered through Jesus Christ. It suggests that the good news of Jesus' birth, and by extension the salvation He brings, is not limited to a select few, but is available to all members of the Israelite community. This message aligns with the broader theological perspective of Ligonier Ministries, which stresses the comprehensive and inclusive nature of God's redemptive plan as revealed in the Bible. The announcement to the shepherds, a group considered to be on the lower rungs of social hierarchy in Jewish society, further amplifies this theme. Their inclusion in the Nativity story symbolizes that the message of Jesus' birth and the salvation it heralds are available to everyone, irrespective of their social status or background. In essence, Luke 2.10 is more than just a narrative detail. It encapsulates a fundamental Christian belief about the universality of Jesus' message. The use of the phrase, all the people, serves as a reminder that the joy and salvation brought about by Christ's birth are not exclusive but are offered to every member of the Israelite community, foreshadowing the eventual expansion of this offer of salvation to all of humanity. Moreover, in Luke 2.11, the titles attributed to Jesus, Savior, Christ, and Lord, carry profound theological significance as noted by Ligonier Ministries. Each of these titles not only identifies Jesus but also connects him to deep-rooted expectations and beliefs within Jewish tradition and beyond. The title Savior is particularly striking. In the context of the Gospels, it is relatively rare, mentioned explicitly only here and in John 4.42. This scarcity accentuates its importance. In the Roman world, emperors often proclaimed themselves as saviors, a concept that blended political and quasi-divine salvation. However, the Old Testament, especially in Isaiah 43, 3, 11, 45, 21, firmly affirms that God alone is the Savior. This exclusive divine claim is reiterated in the New Testament in Acts 4.12. Thus, when Jesus is called Savior, it is a direct challenge to contemporary Roman notions of divinity and sovereignty, and a clear alignment with the Jewish understanding of God as the sole source of salvation. Christ is another title of immense importance. It translates to Messiah in Hebrew, meaning the Anointed One. This term is laden with expectations of a promised Deliverer, deeply rooted in Jewish tradition. The Messiah was anticipated as a figure who would restore Israel, bring justice, and establish God's reign. By calling Jesus the Christ, the New Testament writers are identifying Him as the fulfillment of these long-held messianic hopes. The use of Lord for Jesus is perhaps the most theologically loaded. In the Septuagint, the Greek translation of the Hebrew Scriptures, Lord is often used to translate Yahweh, the sacred and covenantal name of God. This application to Jesus is not just a title of respect, but a direct attribution of divinity. It is significant that this title was indirectly applied to Jesus in the context of John the Baptist's ministry, Luke 1.16.17, indicating an early recognition of His divine status. In sum, these titles in Luke 2.11 encapsulate key aspects of Christian belief about Jesus. He is the Savior, aligning with Jewish and countering Roman understandings of salvation, the Christ or Messiah, fulfilling Jewish messianic expectations, and the Lord, identifying Him with the God of Israel. This verse, therefore, serves as a concise yet profound declaration of Jesus' identity and mission in the Christian faith.
Moreover, Luke 2.12, as interpreted by Ligonier Ministries, is a cornerstone in the narrative of Jesus' birth, offering profound insights into Christian theology and Christ's earthly mission. It reads, And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. This directive given to the shepherds is crucial, not just in its immediate context, but also in what it symbolizes about Jesus' identity and the nature of his ministry. According to Ligonier Ministries, the manger scene embodies a powerful contrast. On one hand, it reflects Jesus' divine status as the Son of God and the promised Messiah. On the other, it displays his remarkable humility, being born in a setting of extreme simplicity. The manger, a basic feeding trough in a stable, is the first bed for the one who is proclaimed as the King of Kings. This juxtaposition is seen as a deliberate element of God's redemptive plan asserting that Jesus' kingdom is not of worldly grandeur, but rooted in humility and service. This theme of humility is not an incidental detail, but a foreshadowing of Jesus' approach to his ministry and ultimately his sacrificial death on the cross. The manger symbolizes the path Jesus would walk throughout his life, a path marked by humility, serving others, and enduring suffering for the sake of humanity's salvation. It's a stark reminder of the Christian belief that Jesus, though divine, chose to experience the fullness of human vulnerability and poverty. Furthermore, this scene is significant in making the divine accessible and relatable to humanity. The circumstances of Jesus' birth resonate with the lowly and marginalized, demonstrating that God's love and salvation are not confined to the powerful and privileged, but are available to all, regardless of their social standing. In essence, Ligonier Ministries views Luke 2.12 as a profound declaration of Jesus' mission and the nature of God's kingdom. It highlights the Christian belief in the Incarnation, God becoming man in Jesus, and sets a precedent for understanding Jesus' life and teachings, centered around humility, compassion, and redemptive sacrifice. In addition, Luke 2.13 provides a deeply symbolic and theologically rich account of Jesus' birth particularly focusing on the significance of his humble beginnings. The narrative places the newborn Jesus in a manger, a detail that goes beyond mere historical description, serving as a powerful theological symbol. This contrast between his lowly birth setting and his divine identity is not only striking but also laden with prophetic meaning. The manger, typically a feeding trough for animals, symbolizes Jesus' accessibility and approachability a savior not born into royalty or privilege, but into a setting relatable to the common person. This choice of birthplace by divine design is a reflection of God's plan to make Jesus' salvation accessible to all, irrespective of their social or economic status. The shepherds, who were among the first to receive the news of his birth, are symbolic in their own right. Shepherds in Judean society were often seen as lowly or outcast, yet they were chosen to witness and proclaim the birth of the Messiah. This choice indicates a recurring theme in Jesus' ministry, uplifting the marginalized and demonstrating that God's love and salvation are available to all. Further, the manger scene sets the stage for Jesus' life and ministry. It foreshadows the path of humility and suffering he would endure, culminating in his crucifixion. This path is central to Christian understanding as it represents the sacrificial nature of Jesus' mission, his empathy and solidarity with human suffering, and his ultimate triumph over sin and death.
The humble beginnings in a manger thus encapsulate the paradox of Jesus' existence. Fully divine yet fully human, a king born in the lowliest of settings, destined to redeem humanity through his humility and sacrificial love. In this light, the account of Jesus' birth in Luke 2.13 is much more than a historical event. It's a profound theological statement about God's love, the nature of Christ's kingdom, and the accessibility of redemption to all of humanity. Besides, Luke 2.14 offers a profound insight into the Christian understanding of God's grace and the peace that comes with it. This verse is a part of the nativity story in the Gospel of Luke, where angels announce the birth of Jesus to shepherds. The verse reads, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom He is pleased. This message encapsulates a core Christian belief, the coming of Jesus as a manifestation of God's glory and a source of peace for humanity. The phrase, those with whom He is pleased, signifies a specific group of individuals, those who receive God's favor. In Christian theology, this favor or grace is understood as unmerited and given freely by God, not earned by human actions or merits. It signifies a relational acceptance by God, rooted in His love and mercy. The reference to God receiving glory in the highest indicates the highest heavens, the realm of the divine. It points to the Christian belief that God's majesty and holiness are above all earthly things, the birth of Jesus is seen as a pivotal event that brings this divine glory into the human realm, signifying a bridge between God and humanity. Additionally, the promise of peace on earth is central to this verse. This peace is not just an absence of conflict, but a deep spiritual peace that comes from being reconciled with God through Jesus. It's a peace that surpasses earthly understanding, bringing a sense of well-being and harmony with God's will. The comparison with Luke 19.38, where the crowd praises Jesus during His triumphal entry into Jerusalem, further maintains Jesus' role as the bringer of peace. This event, celebrated in Christianity as Palm Sunday, marks Jesus' acknowledgement as the prophesied Messiah, the one who brings salvation and peace. The praises, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest, echo the angel's message, linking Jesus' birth and his ultimate mission of salvation. In sum, Luke 2.14, as interpreted by Ligonier Ministries, points out the intertwining of divine glory and the peace granted to those who are recipients of God's grace, a peace made possible through the birth and life of Jesus Christ. Also, Luke 2.17.18 offers a profound insight into the role of the shepherds following the birth of Jesus Christ. In this scripture, the shepherds, upon witnessing the miraculous birth of Christ, take on the role of the first evangelists. They do not simply return to their daily lives. Instead, they feel compelled to share the news of what they have seen. This act of sharing, or making known, is significant for several reasons. First, it reiterates the shepherds' immediate recognition of the importance of Christ's birth. Despite their humble status in society, they understand the magnitude of the event they have witnessed and feel a strong sense of responsibility to spread the word. Secondly, the reaction of those who hear the shepherd's amazement is telling. This reaction signifies the powerful impact of the shepherd's testimony. The news of Christ's birth is not just any news. It is a revelation that astonishes and profoundly affects those who hear it. This indicates the transformative power of the message of Christ's birth, a theme central to Christian theology. 
Moreover, the shepherds' actions repeat a key theme in the Christian faith, the calling to evangelize and share the good news. Their example serves as an inspiration for believers to also spread the word of Christ's teachings and his significance for humanity. Furthermore, the narrative subtly underlines the inclusivity of the Christian message. Shepherds were often considered lowly and insignificant in the social hierarchy of the time. Yet it is they who are chosen to first hear and then disseminate the news of the Savior's birth. This choice implies that the message of Christ is for all, regardless of social standing. In summary, Luke 2, 17, 18, as interpreted by Ligonier Ministries, illustrates the pivotal role of the shepherds in the Nativity story. Their immediate response to share the news of Christ's birth and the amazement it sparks underscores the transformative and universal nature of the Christian message. Last but not least, Luke 2.19 encapsulates the profound, reflective nature of Mary, the mother of Jesus, in the aftermath of His birth. The Scripture specifically states, But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. This line is not merely a portrayal of a mother's tender memories, but a deeper insight into Mary's recognition of the extraordinary events she is witnessing and their significant implications. In the context of Ligonier Ministry's interpretation, this verse emphasizes Mary's introspection and her capacity to comprehend the divine mysteries unfolding around her. Unlike a simple observer, Mary is portrayed as someone deeply engaged in understanding the spiritual significance of the events. This verse is a key moment, showcasing her inner journey and the profound impact of these events on her. Linking this verse to earlier passages in Luke, particularly 1, 65, 66, where the miraculous birth of John the Baptist leaves the people around in awe, establishes a parallel in the way divine events are perceived and pondered upon. People are not just witnessing miracles, they are deeply contemplating them, trying to grasp their spiritual significance. This sense of wonder and reflection is a recurring theme in these passages. In addition, the reference to Luke 2.49, 51, where a young Jesus expresses his awareness of God being his Father, accentuates the ongoing narrative of divine realization and recognition. Mary's role in these passages is not passive. She is actively engaging with these revelations, understanding the weight and importance of her son's identity and mission. Thus, Ligonier Ministries likely affirms Mary's role as not just the mother of Jesus, but as a key figure who embodies faith, reflection, and understanding in the face of divine revelations. Her actions and thoughts as depicted in these verses are crucial in understanding the narrative of Jesus' early life and the unfolding of biblical events. This approach to the verse asserts the importance of contemplation and understanding in the journey of faith. In conclusion, in Luke 2, 1, 3, the birth of Jesus is intricately linked to the historical figures of Caesar Augustus and Quirinius, providing a tangible historical context. Augustus, known for his administrative reforms, ordered a census that led to Joseph and Mary's journey to Bethlehem, fulfilling the prophecy of the Messiah's birthplace. However, the historical timing of Quirinius's census in A.D. 6 poses challenges to the traditional dating of Jesus' birth around 4, 6 B.C., given King Herod's death in 4 B.C. This discrepancy has led to scholarly debates about the Roman Empire's administrative practices and the accuracy of Luke's account. Further, Luke 2, 3 highlights the theological significance of the census, 
showcasing its role in fulfilling biblical prophecy and situating Jesus' birth within a specific historical framework. The journey to Bethlehem aligns with Old Testament prophecy and Luke's commitment to historical accuracy, while also indicating the divine orchestration of events. Besides, the term betrothed, used in Luke 2, 5 to describe Mary and Joseph's relationship, reveals the depth of commitment in Jewish betrothal customs, contrasting sharply with contemporary understandings of engagement. This legally binding agreement required formal divorce to break, maintaining the societal implications of Mary's virgin pregnancy during this period. Additionally, in Luke 2, 7, the humility of Jesus' birth is depicted through the use of swaddling cloths and a manger, symbolizing the modest circumstances of his arrival. The term firstborn points out his preeminence in both family and Jewish tradition, reiterating his significant role as the Messiah. Also, the narrative in Luke 2, 8, where shepherds are the first to hear of Jesus' birth, reflects the inclusive nature of his ministry. Shepherds, once esteemed but later marginalized, symbolize the reversal of societal norms and the universal reach of Jesus' message. Finally, Luke 2.10.19 further elaborates on the themes of inclusivity, divine mission, and theological significance in the Nativity story. The universality of Jesus' message, the humble yet divine nature of His birth, and the profound implications of Mary's reflective understanding of these events are all central to the narrative repeating the transformative power of Jesus' birth and its fulfillment of prophecy.